we're going to be looking again at 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Thank you to the worship team. Thank you, Shiloh. What a blessing that was. 1 John 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you that we can call upon you. God, thank you for your word that is clear, that proclaims the truth, that points us to you. Lord, my opinions don't matter, but your word matters. Your word will stand forever. So God, may your word go forth. May you speak to our hearts through it. May we continue to be conformed to the image of your dear Son. Lord, that we would be holy as you are holy. And God, thank you for how you work by your grace through your word in our lives. Lord, we need you. We're helpless apart from you and hopeless. But God, by your grace, and that is enough. God bless this time. Now we pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week we began in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and we saw that this text is ultimately about victorious faith, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, that we are victorious over the devil, his apostles, his laws, over sin, death, and the grave, and the world system and all its lust. We saw that victorious faith is a gift from God, that he is the author and the perfecter of faith because salvation from beginning to end is a work of God and it's for his glory. We saw victorious faith believes Jesus is the Messiah. And we looked at the first part of verse 1. That's all we got through last, last time. Verse 1a, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And we basically defined what it means to believe. Pistuo. It means absolute trust. A conviction full of trust. To have faith in. To put confidence in. To rest in. To entrust. And even to commit to. Victorious saving faith is absolute confidence in God and therefore to entrust oneself to Him regardless of the consequences, regardless of what it costs you, and regardless, we could add this morning, if I'm the only one. We looked at faith, the faith of the Old Testament saints in Hebrews 11, and we saw that faith obeys 
faith endures. It works. It waits patiently. It's willing to suffer the consequences because faith is life-changing. Through faith, we are brought into a relationship with God. Through faith, we are given new hearts. We saw that... um, Well, we looked at an example from church history as well. Remember that? Polycarp? We saw that even when he faced death, he was willing to face the consequences because of his faith. We saw that saving faith is much more than just believing facts about God or facts about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's confidence in him. It's entrusting one's soul to the Lord, regardless, again, of the consequences. We saw that here in 1 John, John writes of the object of our faith, that Jesus is the Christ. It's the Greek word from Messiah, from the Old Testament. That Jesus is the promised one of God, the anointed, the chosen one, the promised one. The Mashiach, the Messiah. We saw that Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies of the promised Messiah. There was no question who he was. Jesus fulfilled the role of prophet, priest, and king. He is a prophet because he preached the word of God. A priest because his death atones for man's sins and reconciles us to a holy God, to the Father. And he is a priest because after the resurrection, God gave him all authority. Again, faith is so much more than believing the facts. It's more than praying a prayer. It's total trust in the Messiah, the anointed one of God that came as a propitiation for our sins. The satisfying sacrifice for our sins. It's complete confidence in him as your personal Messiah. And therefore it means to entrust one's life and eternity to him. The one who is faithful. The one that does not disappoint. That does not let down. The one who saves. And he saves to the uttermost. Faith is to rest in him. To rescue us from sin and its consequences. So victorious faith believes. It entrusts oneself to the Messiah. But secondly today, victorious faith loves the one begotten of the Father. Verse 5, 1b. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. The primary mark of victorious faith is doctrinal, to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. A second mark here of victorious faith is that born ones love both the Father and all those born of Him. The new birth brings sinners into our loving relationship with the Father. But it also brings us into a loving relationship with God's children, the church. John writes again, And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Here John assumes that those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah loves the Father. Belief, faith, and love 
certainly go hand in hand. And we love him because he first loved us. Yet John is stating here, whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. Certainly no one can know the father who does not know the son. No one can love the father who does not love the son. But here, John is referring not to the only begotten son, the child that he's talking about. He's referring to those born of God, the brethren, the body of Christ. Over and over, John has declared that those who do not love the brethren do not love God. We've seen it all the way through this book. That is an impossibility. It's a contradiction in terms. You cannot love God and not love his people, not love those who are born of God. Listen to the verses that we've looked at. Chapter 2, verse 10. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. Chapter 3, verse 10. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. Chapter 3, verse 17. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, How does the love of God abide in him? Chapter 3, verse 23. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Chapter 4, verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And then chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also these verses make it obvious that the love of the brethren is the mark of every genuine true believer. One cannot love, not agape love, not God's love, that supernatural love of God. One cannot love apart from regeneration, apart from God imputing life into us and changing our hearts. These verses make it obvious as well that anyone who does not love the brethren does not know God and are therefore children of darkness. This is why it's so hard to understand how any true believer can walk away from their church in an unbiblical manner. But especially 
people that walk away from church altogether. It does not fit biblical teaching. It does not fit the characteristics of a child of God. We must remember this love to which John refers is not human sentimental love. This is from God. God enables us. He perfects, accomplishes his love. He pours his love out into our hearts when we're born again. It's the love of the living God. It's a love this world cannot know apart from Christ. The love of God. This love is patient with others. It is benevolent. It's not jealous for what others have. It doesn't boast about its accomplishments. It's not conceited. It does not act rudely. It does not seek its own interest. It's not irritated. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It's not cheerful over injustices. It rejoices in God's truth. It protects from inappropriate ridicule. Protects others. It believes what's best in others. It has confidence in the best outcome. It endures all things. Even the worst. And it never fails. This is God's love. It's supernatural. The supernatural love of God that he enables by changing our hearts. By engraving his law on our hearts. Fulfilled in the two great commandments. John says, whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. There are no exceptions. It's not that we seek to love others to be accepted by God. It's that when God gets a hold of us and changes us and we are born again, he changes our hearts whereby we love one another. And if we do not have that love, it's because we do not know him. So victorious faith believes that Jesus is the Mashiach. Victorious faith loves the one begotten of the Father. And then thirdly, victorious faith obeys God's commandments. Verse 2 and 3, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. John precedes verse 2 here with the last part of verse 1 that we've just looked at. And whoever loves the Father, excuse me, whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. But in verse 2, the first, well, actually the whole verse, John crowns that truth with this. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. So just as it is impossible to love God when we're not loving his children, it is impossible to love his children apart from loving God. These are the twin marks of a genuine child of God, that we love God and we love those born of him. Again, John writes, verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God 
when we love God and observe his commandments. Notice the correlation between loving God and observing his commandments. The proof of agape love is loving or obeying his commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You see, everyone who believes that Jesus, really believes, biblical faith, that Jesus is the Messiah, will respond in loving obedience. When he is the supreme object of our affections, we will long to obey him. Dr. John MacArthur writes, genuine saving faith produces love which results in obedience. Those who believe God is who Scripture reveals Him to be will respond in love, praise, and adoration because He is the supreme object of their affections. They will long to obey Him. In verse 2, children of God observe His commandments. Verse 3, we keep His commandments. The Greek word for observe means to carry out or to practice. The word keep means keeping watch over, guarding, or even preserving his commandments. You see, all those who really love God see his commandments as a precious treasure, something to be guarded and obeyed. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep. My commandments, John 14, 15. The apostle taught obedience as the essential mark of the redeemed. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Hebrews 5, 9. And having been made perfect, talking about Jesus, He became to all those who obey him the source of eternal life. And then listen carefully to 1 Peter 2, verse 24, a verse that I love. But he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes? By whose bleeding wound? That's what the Greek word means. By whose bleeding wound you were healed. You see, God sent his son to be a propitiation that should lead us to obedience. God actually gives us a heart of love and obedience. That word again, I love this. I have to keep coming back to it. For propitiation is hilasterion. It means propitiation or payment. But it's payment that results in expiation. It results in appeasement. Where God's wrath is satisfied. The wrath that I deserve has been satisfied by Jesus Christ. Not only did he pay the payment, but the payment satisfied his wrath. Therefore, expiation And I'm brought into a relationship with him by his grace. 
It's a satisfying sacrifice that appeases a holy God. Appeases his wrath towards me that I deserve. Bringing me into a relationship with him. And it results in obedience. It results in walking as he walked. Not perfection. But we're talking about habit of life. Present tense in the Greek. As you go through 1 John. We're not talking about perfection. We still have the sin nature. But I'm talking about. John's talking about. A different direction. And it's all by the grace of God. So how is all God's commandments. That we're to obey summed up. In the two great commandments. You shall love the Lord. With all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus said, this is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Not just the Ten Commandments, all of it. And it's all fulfilled when God gives us a new heart because he gives us a love for him. And a love for one another. John writes here. The commandments of the Lord. Are not burdensome. How could they be? He has saved us from eternal destruction. He's omniscient. He knows what's best for us. He's faithful. Trustworthy. And loving. How would we not want to obey him? That loves us and knows what's best for us. How can anyone love God and not happily obey Him? The psalmist, speaking of God's Word, make me walk in your path, or excuse me, make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Then he says later, that's Psalm 119.35, later in that chapter, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's word, God's commandments, his instruction is precious to those who love him. So victorious faith believes that Jesus is the Mashiach. Victorious faith loves the one begotten of the Father. Victorious faith obeys God's commandments. And they're not burdensome. Finally, victorious faith overcomes the evil world system. Verses 4 and 5. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Remember that word? Nike? This is the victory. That has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world. But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. He begins in verse 4 of these two verses. For whatever is born of God. It literally reads everyone who is born of God. A little bit confusing. But if you look at um, one example of a better translation. is found in the International Standard Version. Because everyone who is born of God. So for, he uses for, because. John is explaining while God's commandments are not burdensome. 
And he applies this to everyone who is born of God. Everyone who has been born of God, regenerated, given life. That's what God has done in Christ. Born is perfect tense. Perfect tense in the Greek is an amazing tense because it's talking about something that happened in the past, but it has ongoing results. We are born. It's not just a past event when God regenerates us and gives us life. It has lasting, ongoing results or consequences that never stop. Because when we are born again, when we're born from above, we are never the same. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Verse 4a, for whatever is born or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Remember back in chapter 2, John writes, verses 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of or from the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. You see, this world and all its pleasures disappoint. They do not last. They might bring some temporary satisfaction, but they never, ever bring lasting satisfaction. John says, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Matthew Poole wrote concerning John's statement, he explains himself that to one who is born of God, his commandments are not grievous because such a one in that divine birth hath received a life and nature that makes him far superior to this world, exalts him above it, makes him victorious over the worldly spirit, over all worldly desires and fears and hopes and joys, which are the great hindrances of our obedience to God. Verse 4b, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's even our faith. It's through faith. The victory that overcomes the world is through faith. Last week we saw the Old Testament saints listed in Hebrews 11 were victorious through faith. Although they experienced mockings and scourgings, chains and imprisonments, they were stoned, sawed in half. They were tempted. They were put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom this world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Why? They waited for something that was far better. 
something that would be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this world does not satisfy. It does not fulfill us. It does not fill up that emptiness that's inside of us. Only Christ does. He is our hope. Again, Matthew Poole writes, For that faith fills the soul with so great things concerning him and the design of his coming among us and what we are to expect thereupon as easy, easily turn this world into a contemptible shadow and deprive it of all its former power over us. Verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Notice it doesn't tell us those who overcome this world are those who depend on the government or political leaders. No. It's those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now don't misunderstand. God instituted human government and uses it to restrain evil. God ordains all in authority whether they're righteous or wicked. And he uses them for his own purposes. But God's primary purpose in this world is not human government. It's the church. The ecclesia of Jesus Christ. Those that God have called out of the world for his own name. His body. This is the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. The church is a people called out of this world. Saved by the blood of the Lamb. A people that God has chosen to glorify Him. We're saved to glorify Him regardless of political climate. Regardless of whether it's politically correct to name the name of Christ. And regardless of what it costs me. The church is God's plan for this world. And it will not fail. Upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is God's plan. And it will succeed because it's God. God's plan is not to institute an American or a worldwide utopia. It's to save a people out of this world for his name's sake. And every person saved out of this world is victorious. Nikeo, Nike. Victorious over a wicked world system. Victorious over sin and its consequences. Victorious over Satan, the god of this evil world. Victorious over his false teachers and their lies. And victorious over the difficulties of life. What did the psalmist say? 
Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Where's your trust? Where's your trust this morning? Someday we will find ultimate victory over this world. When the Lord returns for his church and catches us up, catches us away to be with him forever. Paul wrote to those in Thessalonica, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Delivered from an evil world system. Delivered from sin, its temptation. Completely delivered from its consequences. And even from its practice. Who are those who have overcome? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's the Messiah of verse 1. Same person. The Messiah, as revealed in Old Testament scriptures, is the Son of the living God. His eternal Son, that is eternally begotten of the Father. That's what begotten means. So here's the point. No one will ever obtain lasting satisfaction through fleshly desires, fleshly gratification. No one will obtain lasting satisfaction through earthly possessions. They always fail us. We always need more. No one would obtain, will obtain lasting satisfaction through worldly arrogance. The world is passing away and it's lust. But he who does the will of God, will live forever. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that supernatural faith, is victorious faith. It believes that Jesus is the Messiah. It loves the ones begotten of him. It obeys, happily obeys his commandments. And it overcomes this evil world system because we are not of this world let's pray father thank you God for your salvation for your work for your plan thank you for the church of Jesus Christ God thank you for calling us out of this world redeeming us making us citizens of heaven and Lord one day you will establish perfect righteousness when we spend eternity with you and worship you for all of eternity. We look forward to the ultimate delivery from this world. But God, thank you. You've already, by the power of the gospel, by the power of your word, you've changed our hearts. You've redeemed us. And God, the faith that you've given us 
is victorious. We praise you for that this day. In Jesus' name.